Good morning, and thank you so much for reserving a seat for us in your home today. Our prayer today is that as we study the Word of God, the Holy Spirit would cause that Word to come alive in our hearts, and that together we'll grow into all we can be in Him. Well, we're in our series called Brand New, and it's such a joy to be at your service. Let's dig into the Word straight away. The subtitle of our teaching this morning, remember we're in a series, Brand New, and we've been looking at the book of Revelation. Today we're going to continue, and God willing, complete Revelation 12, 13, and 14, but the subtitle today is Never Quit, and you'll see there's this theme that comes through all of these chapters, all the way up to chapter 16, where God is clearly sending a message that he's not finished yet, and that he will have the final say. So I want to encourage us today to never stop dreaming big for God. He has not finished with you yet. Never quit. It may seem like everything is crushed, broken, or even destroyed at this time. But if you're in Christ, we are never out of it. You can arise in his grace and be strong in Jesus' name. Remember, our text for this whole series was Revelation 21. Let's just go there and remind ourselves where we are heading. In verse 1 down to verse 4, it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be, uh, will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. In other words, everything is brand new. And so let's continue to allow Jesus to confirm and complete the good work he has begun in you. Remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 from verse 4. He says, always and in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Let me just pause there. Isn't it amazing Paul's tone here? I want that to echo to you today from myself and Pastor Mandy. I want you to know we are filled with joy when we think of you. And that word fellowship there is partnership. When we think of our partnership together in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you've remained faithful. That so many of you have built and sown into this ministry to make this church strong. To help us fulfill our vision. We've helped you and you've helped us to get better and do more. And that was the joy that Paul was sensing as he was praying this prayer and as he was sharing with the church in Philippi, the local church. And through them, he's speaking to you and I today. And so I want you to know we miss you so much. We miss seeing you in person. But you know what? For now, we need to be doing this online to keep each other safe, 
to believe God together that we will get to the other side of this pandemic. And we will in Jesus' name. And he goes on here, he says, being confident of this very good thing, that he, Jesus, who has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Remember, we're studying and looking at that day when Jesus actually comes back. And so he says, just as it is right for me to think this of you, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers with me of grace. As we partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ, We are two partakers of his grace. And it's his grace that makes us stand. It's his grace that gives us the strength to be doing what we're doing. And so we see here, as we continue in Revelations chapter 12. Now remember last week we looked at the woman clothed with the sun that spoke symbolically of Israel. We saw Satan who had drawn a third of the stars that speaks of Uh, of the angels that fell from heaven and that Satan who is now rampant on the earth, the the prince of the power of the air. And then we saw the man-child who is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, caught up to the throne. Today we continue and we'll see the archangel and his angels fighting Satan and his demonic forces. We see Satan combating Israel naturally and spiritually, the church, during particularly the Great Tribulation. And we predominantly remember have the symbolism that's coming out of all these chapters, 12, 13, and 14, but also reviewing the history of the world. Because how many of you know Satan from day one has been out to destroy not only God, but God's plan for mankind? So we see here in the overview that Israel, out of which the Messiah came, had rejected him, and now in the midst of the great great tribulation, they begin to suffer terrible anguish. As a matter of fact, the whole world is subjected to the terrors of Satan and his demonic forces himself, who in this season is wreaking havoc, knowing that his time is coming to an end. However, Remember, those who were sealed by God, the the 144,000 Jewish witnesses, they come through these terrible days. They are protected by, by God, and they lead many, many thousands and thousands upon thousands of people into salvation. And nearly all of them are martyred for their faith. And they gladly give up their lives as they acknowledge Jesus as king as they acknowledge that he's the Lamb of God that sacrificed their lives for him. So we pick up here in verse 7 of Revelation chapter 12, and it says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called devil, the Satan, which is the accuser, who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, remember we have, again, the past, 
the present because we know we saw in the names of Satan through the Bible last week that he is the prince of the power of the air. In other words, he's ruling in the earth, earth realm during this season. But we also see here it's definitely speaking of a conflict that will come towards the end, particularly during the seven years of the great tribulation where the church has been raptured and now God is pouring out his judgment onto the earth as the season of grace starts to come to an end. However, we see even during this season that true religion, the true gospel of Jesus Christ is preserved by those who are the faithful witnesses and in the midst of constant and severe persecution. God always preserves his church, but the furious serpent is ready to destroy her. This plainly describes the past, present, and even future persecution of the church. In other words, we're in, even now, throughout, etern- throughout the world's history, and even today, we've seen there's always been a, a persecution on the church. How I mean, no one sticks up for the church. People uh, rally around every cause in the world, and they'll almost give their lives for it, but not too many people speak up for the church. And that's our responsibility as his witnesses, as the representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ here on earth. And so we see that even towards the end times, and even as we go into the great tribulation, this will intensify to even a greater level. But I want to remind you that even today, do you know that we as a, as a local church support the organization and the ministry called Open Doors? And they work around the world in the nations where the church is still persecuted. And you know they have a watch list of the top most difficult countries in the world to be a Christian, where it's dangerous and even life-threatening. And we're putting that list up today. There are even more countries, but these are the top 50 where it is dangerous and life-threatening to be in a place where you support or are a believer. And so, you know, during this month, even as a, as a local church, we, we put it out to all our leaders, and, and you'll be able to find it. If you want it, send us a WhatsApp, and we'll give it to you. But we're in this month of July uh, in a process of 30 days of prayer and awareness in the nation of India. Because right now, less than 7% of the population of India are born-again believers. And the primary religion in India is Hinduism. And they made a pact about in 2014 that by the 2021, by the end of 2021, they would eradicate all Christianity in the nation of India. But how many of you know, despite that, the pastors, evangelists, and churches are still preaching the good news. And some of them have even lost their lives and been martyred for their faith. So let's pray and let's continue to sow as a local church into open doors so that we too can be a part of supporting our brothers and sisters who are persecuted. Now we see here in Revelation that this intensifies and becomes even of greater danger during the period of the tribulation. But despite that, God's grace is evident and always keeps his people strong. That's why we keep saying, and we want to encourage ourselves today particularly, never quit. Don't give up. Now, in verses 10, 
it goes on in Revelation chapter 12, and it says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. So we see, therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he know, knows that his time is short. So we see here an incredible example and, and some great principles that will help you and I to stay strong during a time of tribulation. So maybe today you are feeling a bit discouraged or you're in an area where you're feeling disappointed. Well, that's fine. Just don't stay there. Don't give up today. And here is how they overcame and how they will overcome even during the time of tribulation. There are three keys. The blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and number three, not loving their lives unto death. You see, this speaks about Christ's sufficiency in our lives, not because of who we are, not because we're perfect or we always get it right, but because of whose we are. We belong to God. We are children of the Most High God because of the complete perfect sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is uh, echoed in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 where Paul starts to talk about the armor of God and we've been looking at the significance and importance of understanding spiritual warfare. And in verse 10 he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Our strength comes from Jesus. It comes from the righteousness that we have in Christ. So let's look at these three principles just for a moment. Number one, it says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Let's take a look how Jesus ministered to the lukewarm church in Laodicea. Remember in Revelation 3, after he addressed the lukewarm church and he corrected them and even disciplined them. Notice what it says in verse 18. And I love this. It says, I counsel you therefore to buy from me. So after correcting them, God doesn't leave them there. Jesus doesn't leave them in that place. He says, yeah, let me tell you what to do. Here's how you can overcome. Here's how you can get from that place, even of feeling lukewarm or feeling like you're not on fire for Jesus. How do you move from there? Have a look at this incredible counsel that God gives this church at Laodicea. He says, buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with our soul that you may see. So he counsels them and he gives them five things that they can do or five principles that they can take hold of rather that will help them. Number one, he says, buy from me gold tried in fire. This speaks about having faith. Not our faith, his faith. He's the one that gave us that faith. And it speaks of this in 1 Peter 5 and verses 7. Number, number 2, he says, buy from me white raiment. Raymond. This speaks about his righteousness. 
In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You need to declare that you are righteous this morning. Number three, he says, anoint your eyes with eye salve. This speaks about or represents the enlightenment that comes from the life of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that as you uh, allow the Holy Spirit and welcome the Holy Spirit in your life, as you pray in tongues and fellowship with God through worship, the Word of God becomes real and the Holy Spirit makes that Word and imparts it into our lives to renew our minds. That's spoken of in Ephesians 1 and verses 18. And 1 John 2, verses 27. Number four, he says them says to them, and I'll paraphrase it, it says, be zealous to save yourselves. In other words, don't stay where you are. You don't have to stay where you are. Because when you begin to exercise your faith in your righteousness, and you allow the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of your understanding, how many of you know you're not going to stay where you are? You're going to move forward. And so this speaks about staying connected to the body of Christ, staying connected to your local church, being involved in ministry, and witnessing to the lost will create and produce much joy in our lives. And that's in Ephesians 4, verses 8 to 16. And then number five, he says to them, repent, repent. The word repent there simply means this, to change your mind and walk in another direction. Romans 12, verse 1, 2, 3. And again, notice these last two are a result of the first three. And we need to remember that today, that, that firstly, we need to remember in our lives that we can exercise our faith because it's the faith he's given us. And what do we exercise our faith in? In the fact that we are made righteous by Christ Jesus. And therefore we can receive the choicest gifts of God. He said this, the choicest gift I give you is the Holy Spirit. He's the one who is your helper, your advocate, your standby. And you know right where you are today. If you've never received the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you can receive it today and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And that can launch your life into a whole new dimension of serving God. And so he speaks about these things. And notice he says, buy of me these things. And so it might sound like, you know, you've got to pay for them. But the terminology used here, if you have a look at it in the Greek context, he is saying, I'm talking about my redemption. I'm talking about receiving my covenant. That's what it's a redemption term. And it means simply this, that we're to receive the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is good news. And when we receive it, we no longer rely on our own efforts, but we release ourselves into the grace of God of Jesus Christ. That's why remind yourself often, every day, multiple times, that you are washed in the blood of the Lamb. 
Revelations 12 verse 13 goes on and it says, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time uh, and times and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed the water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the, but the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that was the second thing we said is this principle that we can apply is the word of our testimony. How did they overcome? By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. Let's have a look at the word of our testimony. You see, God wants you and I to take territory for his kingdom spiritually and naturally as we live that out, which is precisely what Satan works over time to prevent happening in your life. You may think it's just a natural struggle. You might just think you're going through things and this is just another circumstance. But look what Jesus says in Ephesians 6, verses 11 and 12. Now, remember we read verse 10. It said, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Look at verse 11 and 12. It says, put on the armor of God. Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles there is strategy. So that you may be able to stand against the strategies of the enemy. In other words, Satan has uh, defined ways of operations. He has demons and different levels of things that he uses in his strategy to destroy and break down believers and the church of Jesus Christ. And, and, And the word of God is telling us here to not be ignorant of that. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Notice there's four defined areas where the enemy is able to use with wisdom, the wisdom of this world, his strategy. But how you know, it can never outdo the wisdom that comes from God. Satan is smart. We saw that as we looked at the list of all his names that he's given in the Bible, exposing his character and the way he operates. But you know what? He wants to discredit God in your life by accusing you, intimidating you, and stealing your testimony. Don't let him do it. Sometimes, how many of you know we're above his accusation? He comes with an accusation and we're just like, I didn't even do that. That's not even who I am. And sometimes, how many of you know, we're even worse than his accusation. How many of you ever felt like that? It's like he accuses you of something and in your own heart, you know, man, I'm not just that. I'm even worse than that. But here's the reality. He's the accuser of the brethren. And here's the amazing thing. It's not about you, where you are, or what you've done. It's always about his amazing grace. The amazing grace of Jesus Christ, because you don't stand 
in your works. You stand in his righteousness. If you'll start believing that and confessing that, that is our testimony today. Who are you, Larry? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How are you going to overcome? I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And my testimony is this. I'm born again. I'm washed in the blood. I'm a child of the Most High God. And God's word is working in my life. You see, that's always my stance. Because my victory is not my victory. It's his victory that is already Accomplished, And when you put on your armor, you will always outsmart the enemy. And then number three, the third thing he spoke about, which often we miss in this verse, is they overcame by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. The third principle is this, is we must grow to a place in our lives in Christ where we love not our own lives. Now, what is this talking about? This is simply talking about the life of surrender. The life of surrender. You see, Paul said in Philippians 1 verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul wasn't just talking about the decision he was faced with because he realized he was coming to the end of his life, and he was saying, I have this decision to make that I can... I can graduate, I can die here on earth and graduate to heaven, or I can stay here. And he said, it's better that I stay here for you because that will abound in your fruitfulness and faith. But what he was also was saying was this, is I don't treasure my own life as much as I treasure the life I have in Christ Jesus. He was listing his priorities. He was saying in my heart, my heart posture is that Christ is number one. He was saying, my life is surrendered to the will of God. And so this speaks of a joyful abandonment where we are no longer seeking our own way all the time, but rather we're pursuing God's way, God's will, and God's plan. Delighting ourselves in the Lord, knowing that he will bring it to pass. Then, in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1, and we, we're diving now into the book of Revelation, chapter 13, it says, Then I stood on the sea, on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. And we'll drop down to verse 8. It says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So even here we see, as we start to review chapter 13, that salvation, even during the great tribulation, is still based on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on the blood of the lamb that was slain, the gospel of good news. We also see in this chapter that those who are saved are called to boldly confess their faith before the world of hostile witnesses, which means they'll be martyred except for those 144,000 witnesses that were sealed by God's seal. This message today speaks to you and I of the importance of making our calling and our election sure. In other words, let, let's not wait till it gets so bad, till it gets so close to the, to the time of the great tribulation before 
we get our lives in order, before we allow Jesus to do a work in our lives and we receive his amazing grace. In 2 Peter 1, verses 10 and 11, he says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice the terminology of of 2 Peter here. God's not just looking to try and squeeze you into the kingdom. He wants to abundantly supply you with entrance into his kingdom. How does that come? That comes by embracing who you are in Christ Jesus, living by the word and allowing the word to renew your mind. Then in verses 11 and 13, it goes on and it says, And then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like the lamb and spoke like a dragon. Verse 13, he performed great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth and in the sight of men. So we see here in chapter 13, the main import is that in the midst of this great tribulation period, there arises two great world leaders, the Antichrist. And I want to just say this to you. We think it's two great leaders, but it could very well be two great organizations or two worldly systems that are propelled by a group of people with an evil intent. We don't know that, and we won't know it until it happens. But one speaks of political leadership, which is inspired by Satan to control and dominate, and the other is a religious leader or religious leadership set up to deceive the people with strong delusions and to lead them away either by force or by willing worship towards the Antichrist and the long-expected world rulership. This is the manifestation of the mark of the beast. These two satanic deceivers will prevail upon everyone except those who risk everything by boldly acknowledging their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. And yes, they too will be martyred. And then we're finishing chapter 13, verse 18, where it says this. It says, Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. His number is 666. Now, please note, there's so many conspiracy theories around this. You know, you're going to have 666 tattooed on your hand or injected into your arm or wrist. We don't know if the sign will actually be 666. Let me explain. This numerical number, the number six, represents human nature or mankind. It represents the works, the efforts, and the plan of mankind motivated by evil. In other words, man wants to live his own life, wants to sit on the throne of his own life. And so that speaks of six. But notice it's three times. Six, six, six. Isn't it interesting that Satan here tries to counterfeit the trinity of God, Father, Son, 
and Holy Spirit. In other words, it just exposes him as a counterfeit who wants to get the world to believe in him and worship him. There are also a multitude of Gentiles who get saved during this time who preach and receive the good news of Jesus Christ. But it actually says, and we'll see this in chapter 14, Woe to those who worship the beast and receive his mark, for they will be tormented in hell forever. Isn't that scary stuff? Now, let's jump into chapter 14, and we'll do a review, and we'll pick it up next week as we dive into chapter 15 and 16. In verses 4 and 5, it says, These are the ones who are not defiled with the women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. The, these were redeemed from among men, being firstfruits to, the God and to, the, to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. So again here in chapter 14, we see the mention and the honor given to the 144,000 Jewish evangelists who are following the Lamb, giving glory to God, and pursuing His purpose at whatever the cost. In verses 9 and 10, it says, Then a third of the angels followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on his hand. So notice, we don't know what the mark will be, but there will be a mark that is given to those who worship and serve the beast. All right? Himself... He himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So we see that while many choose to follow evil, are deceived and serve Satan, there are way more who get born again and saved during this period. Here in chapter 14, we see this incredible thing happening where we see the display of God's grace and mercy in parallel with the release of God's justice and judgment, both happening at the same time. And so we see again the the theme and the thread running through that grace is coming to an end and God's judgment is being executed because we're coming to the end of days. A further confirmation that at the end, at the close of everything, God still has the final say. In other words, can I say it again loud and clear? Now is not the time to quit. God is not finished with your life yet. So keep serving him. Keep the faith and don't quit. In in chapter 14, from verses 11 down to verse 16, let's read it quickly. It says, And the smoke of their torment ascended forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image. And whoever receives the mark of his name, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So we see this parallel of those who are evil serving the beast and those who are godly serving 
Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Then I looked, verse 14, and behold a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another, another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him, who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Verse 16, so he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. In other words, this last part of chapter 14 actually happens during chapters 19 and 20, but John is already seeing a picture of how Jesus will come with the hosts of heaven to finalize and finish the ends of God's purpose. At the close of the great tribulation, Jesus will thrust forth the sickle to cut down the earth's harvest of evil. This will be completed in the battle of Armageddon, which will bring the culmination of the world as we know it. So in closing today, can I take you back to Matthew chapter 7 and something that Jesus said in verses 13 down to verse 17. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. Now this parable simply brings together, not that it's hard to receive salvation, but that once you've received salvation, it takes effort on our part to cooperate with God and let him work in us his kingdom. Don't get caught up in all the things going on around you, rather build your temple and let Jesus become big on the inside of you. Let his word live in you. Declare daily that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you know what? Good things will start happening in your life because you'll become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, church, it's always worth it as a disciple of Jesus Christ to dream big and fight for excellence in your life. But let's be honest, that's not always easy. That's not always what we feel like doing. And so the Christian life, I say it this way, is gloriously difficult. But it's a difficulty that does not make us faint, quit, or give in but rather it stirs us up to receive grace, grace, and more grace. So as we close today, can I say it again loud and clear? You are able to overcome. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your living word that is working in our lives. We lift up the name of Jesus today. We thank you that not only do we receive your grace, but we embrace your Holy Spirit into our lives. And we ask that this week you would protect us, you would lead us by your spirit, and that you would give us a boldness to be witnesses 
of the goodness of God wherever we go and in whatever we do. I speak a blessing over every person that is listening to this today in Jesus' name. And if you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, if you'd like to take Jesus into your heart and be born again today, would you just simply pray this prayer with me out loud and just be sincere in your heart. Pray this. Say, Father God, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross and that you raised Him from the dead so that I could be saved. I receive Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, or if you have a prayer request, or you'd like to know more about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit into your life, would you send us a WhatsApp or an email right now and share with us your prayer request. Share with us what's happened in your life. We'd love to connect with you, and we'd love to know what God is doing in your life. Remember, if you want to partner with us by giving into the ministry, the SnapScan code is appearing on your screen right now. Or you can go to our website, rfcfc.com, and you can get our banking details there. And we would really appreciate your generosity towards our ministry so we continue to fulfill the vision that God's given us. God bless you. On behalf of myself and Mandy and our leadership, we love you and we're praying for you. Have a blessed day. Bye-bye.